Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 192. I had a conversation with Joan as policewoman. She is uh, an American singer-songwriter. She was touring uh, New Zealand a couple of weeks ago, and I got the chance to have a chat with her. Uh, she was born Joan Wassa. She um, has played with Anthony and the Johnsons and Rufus Wainwright, and she then created the persona Joan as policewoman and started releasing her own music. Man, that first album came out in 2006. It blew me away. I was a fan instantly. And uh, I tell this story on the podcast, but I um, I wrote to her on MySpace, of all things, and said, you know, sent her a review, earnestly sent her the review of the album like she would care, and said, hey, I'm in New Zealand, I just reviewed your album, I love it. And she wrote back and said, hey, thanks. You know, we're all just learning these new, these new uh, forums then. So she just wrote back politely and said, thanks heaps. And I wrote back and said, you should come to New Zealand. And she said, I'm trying to, I'm going to, one day I'll get there. And it's funny because 13 years later, not only did she come to New Zealand, but she came to my house through the toy uh, for my dog, who you'll hear during the podcast, as you sometimes do. And uh, I ended up in this funny situation where actually ahead of the podcast, I ended up being her driver for the day in Wellington. So what happened was I do a little bit of... um, helping out on Radio New Zealand now and then. I do I do my segments and reviews and um, music features, but I also do a little bit of freelance producing work for them. And when things come up that I think would be good that I can help with, uh, I want to help with them. So I was really keen to get Jonah's Policewoman on RNZ doing a live to air. I thought it would be perfect. The times didn't line up, uh, but she was in Wellington with a whole day off on a Tuesday. Tuesday is when they do a music feature on RNZ. So I pitched the idea, why don't you just interview her? Why don't you just have Jessie interview interview her long form and you know she can play some you can play the recorded versions of some of her songs and she can speak to those well they thought it was a good idea and I was quite happy to uh, have that happen and to miss out on interviewing her myself that's what I went back to the publicist and said well the day before the publicist contacts me and says I think we can squeeze you in and not only that we need someone to drive drive her around and uh, and take her to her various media interviews do you think you could do that so I just said yeah sure I'll have a go at doing that that'll be fine so I turned up, picked her up from the hotel, took her up to RNZ, she did a great uh, slot there and then I took her back to our house, to my house to do the podcast and then drove her to Radioactive and her other um, places, ended up dropping her off at a supermarket and loaning her a uh, reusable bag because she didn't have any obviously. Um, it was pretty funny actually, so it was a nice podcast chat to have and then later that night, at the, or the next night at the gig, she thanked absolutely everyone that was involved with the tour, including you know all of the people that had interviewed her. So shout out to Jesse Mulligan, shout out to Radioactive. Thanked me, I think twice. It started to feel a bit embarrassing, actually, like being in the audience. Uh, mind you, you know, me being me, every time she mentioned my name, it was almost dead air. I got the least applause of anyone. She thanked all the bar staff by name and the promoter and publicist, and I thought all of this was wonderful. It speaks to the artistry of her. So I had about an hour sitting at our house. We. This conversation, you're just going to come straight in on it without context. You'll pick it up pretty quickly, but she basically sees a Bob Dylan poster on the wall in my lounge and just starts talking about her love of Bob Dylan and how hooked she is. And I knew we'd already kind of hit it off because I'd been driving around town and talking to her about stuff, but I knew in the context of a podcast conversation we were just going to have a good chat about music. So we talked about Prince, we talked about 
all the things that we we love and we talked a lot about her music too and um if i was a big fan before i'm an even bigger fan now of course so this was a special thing to have happen for the podcast for wellington for new zealand to have her in town and for her to be so generous with her time she stayed back after all of these sold out shows and met absolutely everyone um my wife Katie went up and and lambasted her for not playing her favourite song and told her she had to come back to our house and play it on the piano and she said, you know what, Third, in another 13 years when I make it back to New Zealand I'll do that. So if you listen to the end of this episode you'll hear Katie's favourite song, the recorded version. This is me chatting with Joan as Policewoman. Above non-stop for the, since pretty much since I got to Australia, uh, I just say I haven't, you know, you get on a roll like with something kicks with things yeah oh, yeah i'm in a beach boys one at the yeah moment. yeah exactly that's another yeah and i just i i can't listen to anything else yeah i've really got into going through an artist's whole catalog and just going i it started for me a couple of years ago with neil young and i just decided i'm going to play you know i already knew the stuff i had it but i'm going to go back and just play everything in order and i was listening to five or six different albums mm. in a day and from there I've done a Big Bob one, Beatles, Joni Mitchell, you know? So, so it's not just me, you're doing that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly listening, I mean, I, I think I've listened to Blood on the Tracks 60 times in the last wow. three weeks. Now, do you go into the other versions of it or are you just quite yeah, like to do the New York bit. tapes and stuff and some of the A little bit yeah. of that. And then I'm also listening to also, you know, uh, you know, highways if you want. Blonde, blonde, and bring it all back. I'm listening to the, and also the, the, the Whit, Whitmar. Yeah, Whitmar demos. Really yeah. early. Yeah, So I'm listening demos. to all of that with focus on Blood on the Track. I just can't d- to listen to anything else. It's just too good. Uh, it's my belief, and I know I'm not alone, but I don't mind people saying they can't listen to Bob Dylan, they don't like the voice. I don't personally understand that, but I accept it. But I think if you're involved in making music at all, it's, you know, he's just one of the people that teaches you what a song is, right? Also, he's one of the best singers that's ever Yeah, oh, lived. totally. I love his voice. Yeah, you great. Know, I, I mean, no one can deliver those lyrics mm. but him. And you're talking, I think, particularly like um, Blood on the Tracks, like the, I mean, those live versions of Idiot Wind. It's just... It's too much. So... <laughs> anyway. It's perfect, isn't it? When did you first... When did you first get hooked on Bob? When did, he, when did you first... You know, can you remember... Yeah, well, well, also, can you remember even first being aware of hearing a Bob Dylan song or having him, his music in your life at all? Uh, I didn't... So when I was in high school, like, I listened to some old music but it wasn't Bob Dylan it was like it Neil Young yes Joni Mitchell yes uh, Crosby Stills and Nash yes you know um but I didn't uh David Bowie Mm. uh but I didn't I didn't try to avoid Bob I just didn't know yet Mm. you know it was sort of um I think when I got to my in my early 20s then I I started realizing what was going on there and then you know it was like I remember I had the vinyl of Highway 61 and that that just stayed on the Mm. you know that was like I was I was I was living in uh 
Boston. So I moved from Boston when I was 24 to New York City. So it was it was like you know when I was like 22, 23, and uh, and then I was you know then I got all of his, like a lot of his vinyl and just was just sort of in shock about mm. how incredible of a lyric writer he was because mm. I yeah. didn't really listen to lyrics all that much mm -hmm. I mean like Joni Mitchell I'd be like wow those are incredible lyrics uh, you know but it wasn't it was like it for me then it was a little bit focused on the music and then the lyrics oh that's cool how that fits or whatever but that's when when I started listening to Bob I was I that's when I realized like okay this is a whole other thing that um you know and then on top of it the musicianship is so incredible i mean really yeah. oh yeah really uh uh you know um so any yeah yeah i'm still blown away <laughs> yeah I'm still blown away well i i love that these deep dives that i've been doing with artists like that it's amazing you take a bit of time off and you go well i know all that stuff i don't need to hear it straight away and somehow i guess that's the point of it being so good Somehow you're hearing it again with fresh ears, right? Just, yeah. Yeah. You, you can still find things you don't oh, notice. So much. Yeah. So much. I just, I mean, this time I just have been so focused on how he spreads out phrases, syllables of words, how he delivers and rhythmically. How he delivers the, the lyric rhythmically is what I've just, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm. And you find yourself listening to Bob Dylan at a time in your life where you've done the reverse of him. He started out as a guy solo touring and then got the power of the band behind him. You've done the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I did, when I first, when I put out Real Life in 2000. Well, five and six around there. Mm. I did a bunch of solo touring because I couldn't afford to do anything else, mm. uh, and that was really informative. Also, I was well starting in two thousand four. I was opening for Rufus Wainwright and playing in his band, so I was opening solo, and that was like the first time I was really playing a lot of my music live, and I'm you know and. So I'm playing solo in front of a Rufus crowd. Yeah. And there's there's a good and bad thing about that. The bad thing is that they're there to see Rufus. The good thing is that they're all music heads. You know, if you like Rufus, you're most likely... You're pretty musically yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, depending on the vibe of the room and the night, um, I would have... Uh, a lot of quiet, you know, and people mm. actually listening, which was, you know, really relieving. Um, and then sometimes not. Mm. If it was more of like a, a bar type, you know, if it was more like a club type atmosphere, um, I would probably not be heard very much. Is that a thing he he has always done? Because I saw him last year, I've seen him a few times, but I saw him last year here, and the keyboardist in his band was the opening act. Yeah, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he does that often. I mean, it's just easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, Joni's Policewoman came about, why exactly? Is it, you were, you were a violinist. 
That's what you were mostly doing. And so did you create a, an entity so that it could be a band name, but it could also be a way of, you know, you not doing what people already knew you were doing? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I made a band, me and Parker Kindred and Michael Ty made a band after Jeff died called Black Beetle. That's when I first started tr trying to write songs and trying to sing both mm. at the same time. I had started playing guitar. I was just, I had taught myself to play really bad guitar. Uh, and uh, so that was the first time that I was trying all of it out. We were also just sort of sticking together to stay alive pretty much to get through that time. Mm. Uh, so that is when I started learning about writing songs. Uh, we recorded a lot and released none of it. Um, it was really a... a yeah, did it ever come out? No. No. And it was really about uh, surviving. Because we're going back 20 yeah, that was 97, yeah. so we like started playing together in late 97 or mid, you know, 97, 98. That band broke up in 2002, and that's when Jonas Policewoman started. Um, and so I started writing songs, songs then, and I was uh, performing under my given name, and people, because they had known me as a violin player, they they um, thought I was doing solo violin shows, which was horrifying. So I needed to make a, a name for the music I made. Mm. I've, I've always thought, like, because I can remember hearing the first album, presumably right around the time it came out, like we might have been a few months after mm -hmm. some other territories, but it was a new thing to me. And I remember thinking, and I think it still holds up this way this is sophisticated songwriting this is a person who knows what they're doing and has spent time at the wheel so what happened for you as a songwriter in between those early shelved because as you say that those are songs of dramatic grief and of coping and they're not for basically they were not for public consumption they were for survival yeah, something happened in there. Uh, I, I definitely knew that uh, playing the violin was not enough for the things that I was feeling. Mm. Um, I had to sing. Singing was not something I wanted to do. It wasn't particularly comfortable. I didn't like my voice at all. Uh, so I just sort of forced... It, it, just, it was something that, that I forced myself to sing because I had to. Um, and, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I am very glad I never took formal guitar or piano lessons, which are the two, uh, instruments I, I write on mm. because, uh, I, you know, I had, I had studied music and listened to a lot of different kinds of music, a lot of classical music too, um, which has very, uh, you know, developed harmonic mm. changes and stuff. Uh, and um, so I, I, I really feel like I developed my own way of playing piano and way of playing guitar 
Uh, I can't do any finger picking. I can hardly, mm. like, really, I can't really, I'm not really interested in, like, playing sort of strummy chords. I never have really done that. <laughs> um, so you're playing them as a songwriter? Yeah, you know. Essentially. Yeah, my guitar playing is more like I want to be a bass player. Like, I use, like, for instance, I use flat-wound strings that mm. don't resonate very far. Mm. You know, it's like more... Uh, just uh, you know, it's it, it's 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 more more uh, you know the resonance of a guitar. I just don't need you know. Mm. It's like more a contra contrapuntal to my to the yeah. melody. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so I feel like I sort of like I just used my ears complete. You know, I had no, and I still have no template of to writing songs. I feel like every time I I start writing a song it's the first song I've ever written because mm. I I just don't I don't think oh this is where this chord's supposed to go. Well I love that. I mean the the, the thing that I remember the most about first hearing your music was putting on the first album and this is still in not the early days of the internet but you you know you, you read a press release rather than Google someone and you you're hearing the music for the first time. And I remember seeing Eternal Flame. Oh, wow, is that a cover of Eternal Flame? I'm going to listen to that first. Oh, cool, it's not. It's something else. And it was like, what the fuck is this song? This is something, you know, this is its own thing. And this is a strange, beguiling song. And that, I think, is what hooks me. Oh, cool. Yeah. Does that make sense, you know? Like, yeah, it's going, course. man, this is like an unconventional song, too. Yeah. Like, it's a strange piece. It's got a, It's not odd meter to it. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I. that was my attempt at like a gospel song mm, mm. you know um i have so much love for american music and the mm. traditions of american music which is basically you know a lot of african-american music uh and you know so that there's a, there's you can hear that throughout mm. all of my music um my just deep respect and obsession with that all the like a number of different traditions uh, of American music um, so yeah <laughs> yeah I, I I didn't know what I was doing I just let it happen you know I just mm. followed the you know the thing and I and um, I mean I was really lucky because um, I had people around me saying yes keep going mm. Uh, and the songs obviously started to pour out after a while because those first two albums come out quite, kind of quite quickly together. And then even the third, you know, like it's pretty, so that's a solid, you're pumping them out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just happens, you know. Um, uh, yeah, it just, you know, um, I also then began collaborating with people uh in 2016 i put out a record with uh my friend benjamin mm. lazar davis mm. uh and we're actually halfway through writing another one uh so uh that's really fun too because that also um brings out parts of my uh musicality that wouldn't come mm. out if i weren't you know uh in in conversation with someone else musically uh yeah Mm, mm. And tell me about how the covers material has, has sort of come into your 
into into your life and into your set because it's you know I mean you, you did the album the covers album as a kind of touring thing I guess as a kind of thing for you know limited release thing for people to pick up on but they're all through your all through your set all through your you know compilation yeah uh I mean cover uh, doing a cover song is really just fun mm -hmm. because I don't have to think about lyrics and lyric writing <laughs> yeah. and I, it's not it feels so in a certain way very light because you know every you know it's not like oh, this one word is not exactly right I have to just wait for it to come no the words are already made you know have already been created and uh, it's just a, a matter of figuring out a way to shine a different colored light on the song um, and that's just really fun creatively mm. uh, especially when it's a song I've heard a million times in love and well wh where can, where do I fit in here maybe nowhere you know uh, like for instance you know the 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 song that is um, will be on the next covers record which will be out in the spring mm. uh, kiss by Prince I really did think when I started to try to make my way through it that I may not I may fail and mm. that will be fine mm. you know because that's a song that's already had at least one other super popular reinvention which right. I did not know about <laughs> oh right I didn't know about but I've learned since I've been playing it oh have you heard the Tom Jones yeah, yeah. version and I still haven't right actually oh you can keep it that way too like that's probably this good this is what I've been told <laughs> yeah I just I thought that's it because like for me growing up that was massive I mean I was a massive Prince fan and I loved come on you know how could you not be right but that Tom Jones Out of Noise cover was pretty big here, like it was hard to escape. So, and yeah, no, no, it was definitely big. So, okay, well, that, that answers that question. You, didn't, yeah. you only had the one definitive take to worry about. But yes, you, you've done a, a, you've done the sort of reinvention of a Prince song that I think he used to do to other songs when he did covers. That's nice. You know? I mean, it's music, yeah. It's that, musician who's a music fan right yeah and you know i'm a, an enormous nina simone mm. fan and she really that was like a huge part of her um mm. musicality her whole musical oeuvre you know it has so much of that yeah yeah uh, yeah a lot of people's favorite bob dylan songs or beatles songs are the nina simone yeah. versions yeah they, they don't even really know bob dylan but they know you know i mean nina simone doing just like a woman or something you know why why would you not want to you know have that in your life yes exactly yeah yeah and so when did prince's music come into your life you're a big prince fan huge i mean it's interesting because a lot of that was happening uh, when I was a teenager, but I was not interested as a teenager. Uh, I was I was just so involved. Oh, hi! I want you to throw that. <laughs> um, I was so wow. Yeah. I was so into um, uh, you know a, a lot of different musical subcultures that 
Prince was so mainstream. Yeah. I, I really like, I mean, I thought he was really cool because clearly he was a freak. Mm. But I didn't, I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I owned Purple Rain on, on vinyl and stuff, but I didn't really know mm. um, when it was happening. Uh, and then I figured it out later. Yeah, yeah. Um, how extraordinary and yeah. diverse yeah. and um, innovative uh, he he was. Uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing how even now to think about how he, particularly that first five or oh, six years, come on, how much he did and how he went from being like a nobody to really only competing with Michael Jackson and, and Madonna and really obviously in his own league but but getting mainstream but by still yes. doing some pretty weird things yeah, yeah, right yeah you know yeah it was so cool he's a guy who you know I just like you're talking about Dylan I'll just pick a Prince album and just listen to it for days yeah because I can still do that so unique and so badass. And the fact that he was producing it all mm. makes him totally Playing different most of it. from Madonna and Michael Jackson mm. and everyone else. Mm. Like, Sly Stone is in there with him. Yeah. Producing and playing a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. and making really unique stuff. Yeah. You know. George you know, Clinton. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, you know, he created his own universe is what he Yeah, did. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's funny how all of you know, all of his main influences are that generation or two older than him, but then he spread yeah. his talent wide with you know, proteges and peers and you know. Yeah. He he kind of like, it's, it's impossible for me to understand why someone couldn't be interested in his story and music. You know, just the just fact that he has hits yes. that are super, super funky with no bass. I know, I know. <laughs> it's extraordinary. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, anyway. So was there a part of, <laughs> was there a time in your life when you were going to be a classical music, musician and that was it? No. And never? No. Never? No, I mean, okay. Because it doesn't sound like it talking to you. you when know, I got but. to school... Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to study. I was going to study violin classically, um, and um, you know, I absolutely loved doing that. I love the classical repertoire, which is hard to say because it's so diverse and spans so many hundreds of years. I mean, it's like mm. I love music, so wherever it's good, yeah. it's I'm going to like it. You know, um, uh, and it was so great to learn an instrument to that level uh, and to practice many hours a day uh, because and this sounds really stupid but it's a great way to really digest the idea of practicing makes you better mm. uh, and you know you are not just a genius you practice all the time so that you can not think about what you're doing and allow maybe some, you know, inspiration that some people might call genius come through you. But that's because you've practiced so much. Mm. So learning that was really helpful to me. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was like when I started trying to write songs 
and it was like really hard or this part came really easy but this part is really really how why can't I find my way around it oh because it takes a lot of time <laughs> it doesn't just happen immediately mm. it's you know I, I mean I just learned that it, it was something you know that you have to work it's to be good you have to work yeah it. yeah it doesn't yeah. come to people who don't do it you that's don't, right I mean it, you know the that's the thing, like, how hard did Prince work? None of us will ne ever really know, but we know it was so, so hard. hard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we, kn hard. we know that. There was no way that he fluked being that good at things. No. And there is enough evidence to show that he worked ridiculous hours for forever. Yeah. Plus his and parents we and were went to an And went to an early grave because of it. Yeah. One, you know, one way or another, of course, too, which is, um, you know, sad. But the amount of material he put into the world was more than enough you know we're still finding things it's, crazy. <laughs> it's ridiculous isn't it so you take the violin and you basically join a band and turn into a lead guitarist who plays the violin <laughs> I, you know i wanted to be more like maybe like keith richards like i wanted to be <laughs> like i wanted to make it the rhythm instrument mm, mm. you know uh because there was a guitarist in the band that I was in, Eric Masanaga, guitar player, great guitar player, who really was good at playing these weird lines through things that maybe a violin would play, mm. um, but that sounded way cooler on, on guitar, you know? Mm, mm. Um, so there was a space in there. Also, the bass player played a lot of high stuff. So there was like, I felt like it, there was a space that could be filled with um, deep violin tones. I played through this massive uh, bass amp. Mm. So uh, it was, you know, it was a, it was definitely a, it was a unique sound. You are hilarious. <laughs> Funny dog, eh? Uh, so cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, tell me... Um, you, you've you've took you've done these things like play with Rufus Wainwright. Play. You told me off mic before that you were part of a tribute to John Cale. You know when do you get the first kind of like pinch yourself moment of like man I didn't I didn't know this was going to happen because those are obviously both examples. But and there are so many. But when do you first go wow this is. Uh, I mean, I feel like w way before Anthony, who now goes as Anoni. Yeah. Uh, so I joined her band in 1999. Mm, when it was Anthony and the Johnsons. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, we were always hoping we would fill Joe's Pub, which is mm -hmm. like, what, 200 cap mm -hmm. or something or less. Um, and it was when Anthony asked me to open the show covering one of her songs that I thought, and it wasn't because she was famous, it was because I had so much respect for her and her musicality mm. and her tastes. And it was then that I thought, Oh, maybe I'm doing something right. Mm. Maybe I'm going in the right direction. Um, and it was just because, I mean, 
she has such a unique voice and writing writing voice too i think the whole yeah that's what i mean yeah 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 the, the, yeah, the, yeah, whole, the whole artistic whole voice thing. yeah yeah uh, so when she asked me to do that i felt i mean really honored but also like oh okay mm. maybe i am doing something that matters yeah, well, because I, I always, I'm always interested to ask artists if they, un, I guess, understand the graduated levels they end up taking. Because at the end of the day, as you're doing it, you're also just trying to survive, right? You're just trying to make it in the world. Yeah. Get paid, potentially. Um, yeah. You know, pay the rent. Yeah. Whatever, that's all happening. And you're trying to just keep going. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I made an EP. No one wanted it. I mean, no labels wanted mm, it. Mm. Um, I would sell it. You know, I manufactured it myself and sh and sold it at uh, the Rufus shows. And a lot of people liked it. That's for sure. The people mm. that, you know, a bunch of people did listen and buy it. And that was really cool. Mm. Um, you know, there was a, a gentleman named Tom Rose at the Nottingham show that we played um, who owned an independent record store in the Midlands and who bought my EP, really loved the show, bought my EP and then went to the next show the next night to make sure he wasn't wrong. <laughs> Saw me in Birmingham and then contacted me through, as we mentioned before, MySpace mm. and said, Hey, I got this record store. I, I want to, can you send me some records to sell in my store? And usually it was, oh, we'll take two on consignment. Yeah, yeah. And he said, can we'll you call send you me? in a month? That's and you right. You can come and pick them up again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he said, can you send me a box, which is 30? And I was like, okay. And he, said, and he said, I'll pay straight away. So I sent him a box and he paid me straight away. And I was like, okay, that's really cool. Mm. And two weeks later, he wrote me and he said, you have to send me two more boxes. And I thought, is this guy using them for dinner plates? Like, what is going on? And what he was doing... Uh, he went to work for playing, you. Playing... Like well, yeah. he was playing them in his store. <laughs> yeah. He was playing the CD in the store. And then, you know, people would say, what is this? And he said, oh, it's right here at the counter. Mm, Check mm. it out. I saw this. I love it. You know. So I sent him two, I sent him 60 more, and he paid me, and then he said, listen, I've been wanting to start a label. His store was called Reveal Records. I've been wanting to start a, start a label, and I want this EP to be my first release. I had never met this person, but he had already gotten my trust by, mm. you know, and I said, great, F fabulous, you mm. know, so... Um, he released my EP um, under the name Reveal Records. Uh, that was in 2004 or 5. Um, and then, and I was in the midst while touring with Rufus. I was in the, I was, in, I would piecemeal when I would be home recording the songs that would be on Real Life. 
and he hooked me up with my label. He knew people. Um, uh, my label that mm. is uh, played against Sam's PS, mm. um, and so they co-released Reveal Records and PS released my first record, Real Life, um, and you know, it's crazy stuff like that. He's my manager. Yeah. yeah now I know that's amazing. Know? Yeah. And, uh, you know... But that's what I say, he went to work for you before he went to work yeah. for you. He did the work. He decided, he, And that story is, I guess, we've all got a version of that or a few little versions of that. And you need it, right? Any artistic person. Someone that believes in you to a level that you can't even see yourself. That's right. Um, you know, yes. Why am I throwing that? Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the other thing was when that record, when Real Life was released, I thought, my friends and my family are going to hear this. Mm. And that, I know. Beyond that, you know. Mm. Uh, and when it started to get heard by a lot of people, and when it started to get these reviews that were really good by people I didn't know at all mm. uh, I was really surprised and so I, I just was like sort of beside myself I couldn't believe it um, I thought wow people people must feel the way I do because mm. mm. some some songs or what Albums feel like little collections of short stories or whatever. I feel I feel like your albums, to me, they've always felt like a a photo album in songs. That's right. You know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's the snapshots of a life. Yeah. And then there's the obscured or artistic shot as well. You know, the conceptual image that's actually nothing to do with your life beyond the fact that you're the person who's pointing the lens. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Can't say it better than that. Oh, well, that's good. And, and so what do you do when you get, like, a kind of writer's block? Does that happen? Do you, you see, you know, you said sometimes lyrics aren't easy to... And then a person can look at your catalogue and go, oh, there's a few years off. But as you say, there's the, the duo album you did, there's the covers records, there's other projects happening. But do you have periods where you're like, man, I, I've forgotten how to do this. I can't write. Uh, I mean, one thing I've learned is if I'm not feeling writing, just move to something else. Mm. Work on something else. Don't focus on the facts, on that mm. idea, because I have before, and it doesn't do anything except for just bring you some depression, which is not, doesn't help anything. Uh, so, I mean, if I, I mean, as well, when I'm even writing a lot, don't stay on one thing too long. Don't work on this part of the song for too long mm. because you'll lose sight of the bigger picture and you'll, you know, you will hearing it after working on another song for an hour, mm. hearing it after working on that song for an hour will bring you so much more insight than just focusing on it for three hours, one part of this, mm. you know. It doesn't, it does, it's not helpful. So, um, if I'm not feeling like writing, that's fine. And you have a, you have a broad palette you can paint from. You have these different instruments that you can use as, as, as well as 
like what you're bringing to it vocally and lyrically but what have you said about being a, an untrained pianist and guitarist are there any instruments that you've wanted to get a better sound out of and you've had to just park them like have you failed at something or oh well i mean i fail at guitar and piano well you say you say that yeah 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 you say that but you fail in an interesting and creative way well, so therefore it's not a failure well i always feel like oh what if i just had the you know the proficiency to do this other thing that i'm hearing when i don't i just mm. don't have it and then I'll practice some more, you know, and I'll get slightly closer. Uh, you know, I will never, um, you know, I wasn't trained like Nina Simone was from very early on as a classical pianist. Mm -hmm. I will never be able to play like her. And I don't expect my, that for myself. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I do what I, I do what I can. Um, instruments I failed at, I mean, I just, I don't, I think I don't try to play instruments I know I won't be able to play. I don't try to play the oboe. I don't try to yeah. play the tuba. Yeah. I don't try to play the French horn. I mean, it's like I leave that, those to the professionals. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. You hit, but do you, do you, you know, is it a bit like learning languages and... You know, they say when you, when you learn a language, you know you're getting good at it when you can dream in that language. And I wonder if you, like, when you're writing and using an instrument, if you go back to the violin to coax something out of that, do you see that as a main instrument, or is that really not a main instrument now? Has that kind of been parked? The, in, the violin mm. is a voice. Mm. It is not a chordal instrument. Um, I mean, I tried my hardest to make it that, yeah. and I could make it that a little bit, uh, but I can't write on the violin, for instance. I mm. mean, it's why I think I didn't write songs for so long, because I was like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Well, it's because I wasn't playing a chordal instrument. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't, you know, I wasn't playing an accompanying instrument. Mm. Um, so, no, I don't go back to that. I, you know, I, I really just, like, for instance... The guitar is still 100% still a mystery to me. The guitar is set up all wrong, <laughs> if you ask me. It doesn't make any sense to me. After how many years of playing it? Yeah, 22 yeah. <laughs> years, 25 years. Yeah. It makes no sense. The piano makes sense, yes, at least, because yes. I can see the it's whole literally thing. literally laid out in front of you in a way that you can, yeah. The guitar is just, uh, it's really, it is like... It is a land that I don't have glasses for. I just don't. I mean, and that is also what makes it fun to, mm. to play on because I'll play I'll play a million long notes until it's the right note. Or I'll figure out what I'm hearing, how to play it, but it'll be in this weird shape that people after the show that are actually actual guitar players say, oh, did you study jazz? Well, certainly not. I made this shape of a chord because that's, how I figured out how to do it. Mm. Not because I'm doing something, you know, I'm doing an inversion, like, you know, that's just how I heard it. It's mm. not thought of otherwise, you know, it's just listening. It's all about listening, so, yeah. Yeah. And how do you, how are you finding touring solo again? So the sort of full circle of it in a way, and the first time you've covered the full catalogue to date as a solo act. Yeah. Um, 
I toured all of last year and the beginning of this year uh, on Damn Devotion that came out yeah. in February 2018 with the band and with a band that has been my favorite band of all time. And that's saying a lot because every band I would go back to and play with mm. so happily. Mm. Like the musicians that I've gotten to play with me, I am so grateful. I mean, they're all like just the best musicians on the planet, in my opinion. They're just mm. incredible. Also, mm. I live in New York City where just the most incredible people live. Um, so, but this, there was something about the balance or the alchemy of these four, of me and these three people together that it made something really, really special. So I was worried about doing solo shows because I love I loved playing with them so much. I love communicating with them on stage. I love listening to other people. I love the, the just like the constant flux of the song and how it changes from it. And I, I worried about playing solo. Oh, I'm gonna miss them, I'm gonna be so lonely. Guess what, I do miss them. I'm always lonely anyway. So I might as well be lonely on stage. <laughs> um, and I love playing solo. Mm. You know, uh, it's, it's, it never, it always is giving back to me, whether it be you know, oh, I, you know, this, I made this, this moment happened in a, such a different way tonight. Why was that? Um, you know, just f feeling out the crowd and why mm. and what affects it. You know, the people there affect the show so much and the space, you know. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's gives every show the chance to be a bit different, right? That fact. Absolutely. But also, you've been talking a bit around essentially recognising limitations and, and vulnerabilities and turning them into strengths, and I feel like playing solo is the ultimate, particularly if it's, some, if it's not something you, you know, people get used to doing that, and that hasn't been your trade for the last, most of the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. So you're actually opening yourself up to, man, if something goes wrong on stage, it's, it is actually my fault. It's not anyone else's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be my fault anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much freedom playing alone. There's, there's so much freedom playing with other people, and there's a different kind of freedom with playing mm. alone. Mm. And uh, I'm really comfortable with being on stage. So... If I do fuck something up, I'll just say, oh, I'll stop and be like, wow, that was a mess. Mm. And then I'll just start again. Mm. I'm human. And people actually enjoy seeing a human being be human. Mm -mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, can't, I, I, I really, I, I mostly think when if I start to to feel like, ooh, that wasn't such a great show. I think, how many notes did you actually play right? A lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It, it's so fun. And then I also think about 
I'm going to be so much better when I get to play with other people <laughs> again, mm, mm. you know, uh, which is really fun anyway. Mm, mm. And the video aspect has always been such an important and compelling part of your career. You <laughs> develop characters, you have nothing but a blast when you're doing it. You know, videos are something that, I mean, I always say, like, I, I would rather not be attached to a song. Um, because I love having people make up their own video mm. and their mind. Mm. Um, but that being said, I love a visual in mm. gen you know, in mm. general. Mm. And uh, uh, so, you know, the fact that videos are, you ha I have to do videos. It's not a question. You ha can't, mm. you ha they just are, you it's know, attached yeah. to, to um, releasing records. So, okay, if I have to do videos, they are gonna be unique and fun, you know. Uh, so often I get treatments for videos um, that say, you know, Joan's on top of a mountain in a flowing dress and she's singing to the sky. I'm never gonna do that video. <laughs> yeah. That is never gonna be my video. I'm never gonna like, be trying to look beautiful in a normal way. You know, I mean, my first record came out when I was 36, so I was relieved of, you know, being some sort of Pop-Tart. I wouldn't do that, I mean, that wouldn't be mm. applicable anyway. But like, I was never in the running of, uh, you know, being this like sexy uh, thing in a swimsuit or something, ever. Uh, because I was already too old, and I had already lived too much. Um, I mean, not. I, I'm not saying 36 is too old yeah. to be amazing. I'm just saying, like, I wasn't in the running to be this. Yeah, like, you're, you're saying you don't. You wouldn't have fit into the cookie cutter. Exactly. That the next layer of business people involved want. So you're exactly. pleased about that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so if, it, if it's a person's choice to want to do that right. to be empowered themselves, right. go for it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, otherwise I was free from that. Yes. Uh, and so uh, that was also I feel very um, fortunate. You know, uh, I mean, also just regarding that same thing um i'm so glad i didn't start writing songs until until i mean i didn't start releasing songs until yeah. then because i had something to say then yeah i mean if i had been releasing songs and the words black, black from Beatles when stuff. i was well no not that but like yeah yeah because like there was some stuff in there that was that was pretty uh pretty dense yeah but like when i was like 21 yeah ooh, yeah I'd still be trying to get that erased from the internet. Do you think with that Black Beetle record, though, too, there's a catharsis element to it that actually stays strong for the fact that you guys did bury it and go, we're not, we're just letting that... Um, sure, yes. Because if you release it, and, the, you know, lots of people know the story, some of the story around it, but we don't know the whole story. If you release it, suddenly, bit by bit, the parts of the story that are yours and yours alone people start to feel they've got a pull on that. Yeah, it was also, um, it, it's, it's so much more complicated. Mm. And there was a, a, a lot of disagreements. 
So, um, it, you know, it, it wasn't released for, for a number of reasons, yeah. which really made sense. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Now, I need to take you to your next interview, but I do want to say that um, I mentioned this to you before. We were both on MySpace and when that existed, and when your first record came out, I wrote a review of it and messaged you on MySpace, and you messaged me back and said thanks. And then I said, where's the effective? You should come to New Zealand. And you said, I'm trying to. I will. And now, something like 13 years later, you're sitting in my house. Yay! <laughs> it Thro worked! Throwing the soft toy for my dog. <laughs> and and trusting that I'll drive you where you need to be in Wellington. So isn't that a funny little... And where's MySpace? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know. I'm so... Um, I, I, I just find this type of thing to be true um, often. Mm. Um, and as I was saying before... Uh, you know, having the tenacity to stay involved in music when it's incredibly difficult yeah. to manage. Yeah. Um, uh, you will end up meeting everyone. I mean, in a <laughs> yeah. certain yeah, way. Yeah. You know? Paths cross. I yeah. mean, for instance, like when I release another record, I talk to the same journalists often mm. from the papers in Europe because they're the people that still have the jobs. There's one job at that paper yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I've been talking to them for 15 years or something. You know, I mean, so... That's amazing. It yeah. is amazing. And it's it's wonderful is yeah. what it is. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so Thank much. You. What a pleasure. Ah. Uh -huh.